You're now listening to the A Place of Refuge Productive Living Podcast with Bishop Barry D. Walker. A Place of Refuge vision is to cause people to be productive in every aspect of life according to God's Word. For more information, please stop by our website at www.aplaceofrefugechurch.org. Now, here's today's message already in progress. Father is Ab, A-B, which represents the Old Testament. The Greek word, which represents the New Testament for Father, is Pater. Both mean the same thing. It considers a father from a literal standpoint as a male parent but also from from a figurative standpoint I want to consider father tonight from an ecclesiastical standpoint or as it pertains to the church First, when it comes to a father in God's house, he is an influential example. An influential example. So influential that Saints are moved, are motivated to make significant and essential changes, especially when it comes to attitude or behavior. You come in feeling like you know everything until you run into an example of someone that can tell you exactly what you do and don't have in reference to a positive attitude. Someone that can tell you uh, when you talk to anybody a certain kind of way that look you shouldn't do that because that is a grown person. That is a person that you should revere and not disrespect. Influencing you to change. And, and, and it's necessary to influence people in the church because I can remember when I came to the church, I, I, I was jacked up. I didn't have the right attitude when it came to being in no church uh, before God. I, I, I did not have 
the behavior that was according to God's word. Didn't have it. And so I needed an, an influential example. A person that didn't mind teaching me how to talk. Woo! How to act in, in public, in church. Because you know what you do in church should manifest on the outside of God's house. You don't want to be a hypocrite where you one way in the church, but you're another way outside the church. And when the only thing you know how to do is talk like you from the street, you're going to need an influential example. Specifically, you're going to need a person that is not just talking something, but a person is speaking as well as living the written and revealed word of God. A person that is so influential to where you even start to notice how he dresses, how he carries himself. And you start changing your attire. And that's not a bad thing. Because in scripture, God's folks were actually taught how to dress. Taught how to behave. God didn't want his folks acting as if they didn't know proper etiquette. Wanted them to be on point when it came to their behavior. You just don't talk to a lady any old kind of way. You just don't address a person that's, that's up in age any old kind of way like that person is 13. Will you pick that up? Yeah. No, you got to know how to properly treat somebody that's up in age. Yes, sir. And yes, ma'am. Gotta have an example. And see, some of y'all try to act like you, you, you already knew how to act when you came to church. Ooh, you ought to quit. You need to bring us some of your photos for Christ. That can sell the whole thing. But taking it further, ecclesiastically, God gives you a person, a father, that will help you become that new creation that he talked about in 2 Corinthians 5 and 17. If anyone is in Christ, he or she is a new creation. 
all things have passed. Look, behold, all things are new. Some folks take the verse to mean that there that it happens immediately, but no, it's a process. You have to be taught how to be new. You, you have to talk the tight mind you need to have. You have to be taught how to talk. What to and what not to say. Why? Death and life are in the power of the tongue. And so the father, through knowledge and understanding, teaches by example how to become new, how to watch the old man die every single Came to the altar, you 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 were a cusser, as the old folks said. But then that word starts making you new, and all all, all of the sudden, the only time you cuss is when you slept, as we used to say. And, and, and you you're to the point to where you you slip. Oh, excuse me, excuse you'll be holding your mouth. Excuse me. But, but it's wonderful even though you made a mistake because the newness is starting to manifest. And little by little you, you start to be taught how to be new in Christ. But it's because of your father. It's because of the example that God put in your life. Your ab, your patar. And so now you're, you're talking, and, and, and it's so amazing because in the days of the first century church, after Jesus had resurrected and went back to heaven, folks would look at Peter and the rest of the disciples, and, and they could tell even though the Lord's demise had taken place, those are Christians right there because they're talking and acting just like Jesus to the point to where it was not it was not just the church that deemed themselves Christians it was sinners folks that were opposed to the church started to label them as Christians simply because they were Christ like their identity completely changed. And that's what happened to us. Our identity completely changed. I, I don't want to go back in your past and, and, and start saying things that, that, that you don't really want a whole lot of folk to know. But some of us in here, and I, 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 I'm not talking about you directly, but I'm just going to say what I'm going to say. Some of us in here, folk would know it by who you are right now, but you used to be a hoe. Yeah, you did. You used to be a hoe. Oh, don't be, don't be trying to act like that. You know what a hoe is. 
But folk look at you now. What man? That woman knows she's sanctified. Yeah, but she ain't always been sanctified. It took a father to teach her and others examples to teach her how to be a lady. Oh, some of y'all didn't like me saying that. You know, they are, they are female and male whores. Uh, uh, some of us, we got some folk that used to be male whores in here. Y'all, y'all mighty well come clean. And then you have folks that, that were known for midnight rambling, for gambling, and, and doing all kind of stuff. But then they got up under a father. And they started to become new. And folk who thought they were playing church all of a sudden stepped back and said, you know what? She ain't playing. That girl is serious. Yeah, I tried, but she wouldn't let me. She, she done got serious. It was a guy that wanted to make sure that I was really serious about Jesus and, and, and came by my store and, and said, man, I got, I got your favorite. I said, what you got? He said, I got some tea and some boat. Used to call Colombian marijuana the boat. I said, man, I, I, I said, uh, if you would have caught me about 30 days ago, it'll be a party up in here. But God done changed my life for the better. I'm on a high that does not require no TAC. No, no Colombian reef. I got somebody down on the inside of me that gives me joy 24-7. Shouting somebody can't. Nobody but nobody but nobody do you like Jesus. The newness had started to take place. In 30 days, I used to look for a high. I used to get up wanting to get high. But the newness had started to become a part of my makeup. But then the paytar is also an example of a person that does not allow confusion within or without to become a part of his lifestyle. See, when God really gets in you, you don't even like being around confusion. First Corinthians 14 and 33 says, God is not the author of confusion. 
but of peace. Where? In all of the churches. Ain't no confusion going on. Why? Because you have been listening to your, your father. Folk prophesying something that, that ain't part of the theme. And, 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 and uh, they trying to come to you prophesying all that old crazy stuff. But, but you ain't, you ain't going to get in no confusion. No. <laughs> Don't put your hand on me. Yeah, I know they call you prophetess, so-and-so, but don't you put your hand on me. I'm led by the Spirit. Hey, don't come to me with that. We don't give God no tithes. Yeah, I know it's all over the internet. I know it went viral and all that, but don't come to me with that. My father has showed me in the word what God said in reference to tithe. And it's embedded in me not just because it's the word, but it has been working for me. I have given God his tithes and his offering and seen the windows open up and seen him pour out blessings. Where you have no room to receive. You done been taught to do everything decent and in order. You don't deal with confusion. And you don't care if it's your best friend, your buddy. Family member trying to bring about confusion. You just don't deal with that stuff because your father done taught you better. Used to have an old saying in the church let the word be right and everybody else wrong. And when you have been taught not to get involved in confusion, but to do things decently and in order, that's you. You put the word first. You put it first. But it's something that Paul said in reference to a father that God told me to deal with. And then I'm going to move on. Let's go to 1 Corinthians 4. Y'all stay with me. 1 Corinthians 4 and 15. Paul said to the church, for though you might have 10,000 instructors, and get this, in Christ or in the church. Yet you do not have many fathers. For in Christ Jesus I have begotten you through the 
gospel. You have to know the difference between an instructor and a father. Got to know the difference. Just because sister so-and-so prayed a powerful prayer and it really blessed you, that does not mean she is your spiritual mother. Brother so-and-so gave you three suits. You didn't have one. And it made you feel so good. You said, can I call you father for giving me them three suits? And, and there's nothing wrong with you calling him father in, in, in an affectionate way. But not from an ecclesiastical standpoint he not only gave you the suits but he instructed you on how to keep them clean how to how to match up a tie and everything and you were just bubbling over with joy but he's still not a father a painter when it comes to the church Affectionately, that's okay, but not biblically. In reference to the text. Because see, what was happening with the Corinthians, they were to the point to where they thought whoever gave them a word was doing just what Paul was doing. There's a distinction between somebody you hear on the radio, you see on the television, or on the internet that gives you something versus a real father. And notice Paul said, you can have 10,000 of them. And, they, and they'll be in in Christ. I expect the ministers of the church, the elders of the church, every time they get up to give people a word with instruction. Because there's no competition in Christ when you really say. I don't compliment them. I, I give compliments week in and week out about how good somebody's doing, whether it's praying, emceeing, or doing something else. It's no competition. But never get it twisted. A person that gives you instruction. based upon the text, is not a father. Does a father give you instruction? Yes. Can 
can't be a father without giving in instruction. But if every person that gave you some good instructions, you, you, cons you considered your, your mother, man, how many mothers are you going to have? <laughs> then you got some folks, they, they got about seven or eight pastors. Had a guy tell me, you know what, you know you my, you my Sunday pastor, but you know I got a radio pastor. And an internet pastor. I said, yeah, and I know you confused too. <laughs> you may have a radio instructor or somebody you like to listen to on the radio, somebody you like to listen to on the television, but you should only have one. One shepherd. Y'all all right? Stay with me. Paul says, again, though you may have 10,000 instructors, you don't have many fathers. You don't have many. And then he, he explains that when it comes to a father, a father is a person that begets another person. What do you mean, Pastor? To beget is to cause a person to be. Theologically and ecclesiastically speaking, what God has purpose for them to be. An instructor can teach you on how to pray, but it takes a father to cause you to be transformed in to what God has purpose for you to be. You holding on? In the church and outside the church. You got your degree from the University of West Georgia. But it was God that stepped in and made sure you got the job because there were four or five folk that had better grades than you, did the interview better than you, and knew more about the company than you. But because of God, you got the position. Whether that be indirectly or directly. A true father causes you to be who God purposed for you to be. Because see, you, you come into church and you be like, well, I guess I'm just going to be like my daddy, he didn't have this and he didn't have that. But then you get a word and, and, and you didn't know why it just stuck to you the way it did until you found out. That's what they call a rhema. Man, when he, the way he set that under the anointing, it just stuck with me. And then every time you come to church, and you get that word from your father. It'll stick to you again and again and again and again. Why? 
because you are being given exactly what you need in order to fulfill your purpose, your destiny in the church and outside the church. See, what you get from your father is not just a church thing. It's a life thing. It's what, it's what Jesus himself came to give you. He didn't come to give you a church thing. He came to give you a life thing. He said in John 10, 10, the thief comes not before to steal, kill, and destroy. But I have come that you may have life and that you may have it more abundantly. And one of the primary ways he makes sure you get life or you get what you need in order to think, talk, and do right is through your father. Through your father. If I'm right about it, tell somebody to preach you right about it. He said, I, I have begotten you. And when you recognize what Paul says here, that you can have many instructors, but not many fathers, you start allowing what the Father is giving you, which is knowledge and understanding. Especially when it comes from a pastor. Remember? Jeremiah 3 and 15. God will give you shepherds according to his heart. That will feed you well. And knowledge and understanding, especially from a biblical standpoint, equates wisdom. And so the Father is feeding you that which will make you wise. Because if you're going to fulfill your purpose in life, you're going to have to have wisdom. If you don't have wisdom, you're going to perish. Knowledge being part of wisdom. Hosea said in Hosea 4 and 6, God's folk are destroyed. For lack of knowledge. And then he goes on and, and he says the primary reason because they have rejected it. The implication they could have been wise if they would have received. But because they rejected it. They had to be looked at as being people that were in the seat of a scoffer. They rejected what would have made them better. Rejected what would have made her business better. Rejected what would have made his marriage rejected what would have made him as a person better. 
Look at your neighbor and say, you might be sitting beside a scoffer. Or somebody in the seat of a scoffer. The father put on the plate what they needed. But a scoffer rejects the word. Go ahead, scoffer, and put your hand up and walk out the church. See, you have to understand something. That a scoffer is a person that disrespects what he or she should embrace. I'm, I'm just telling you, you need to pray because if, if you pray, you, you won't get weak. Uh, I, 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 I ain't trying to make you upset about it. I'm just telling you, well, you act like I don't pray. Well, I, I ain't saying you don't pray, but if as weak as you are, you may not be praying properly. Because, you know, Luke 18 and 1 said, me and not always to pray and not lose heart. And you are definitely losing heart. So I ain't saying you're not praying, but it just seems like you ain't praying to the right person or you ain't praying the right But see, a scoffer will reject. And be re disrespectful. Oh Lord, let's go back to the text. Some of y'all looked at me like, I, like you lost. I don't want you to be lost. Because I'm almost done. So stay with me. Latter part of Proverbs 13 and 1. A scoffer does not listen to Rebuke. See, rebuke is not a bad thing. Some folks try to make rebuke a bad thing. But rebuke, depending on the situation, is a blessing. It's a blessing to have somebody that's going to be honest with you when you're dead wrong. Instead of somebody that's going to agree with you. To make you feel okay. <laughs> in your sin. Y'all ain't happy over here. The way I thought y'all would be when I said that. You, you understand what I'm saying? A scoffer will not listen to rebuke. You don't want to be in the seat of a scoffer. Consider Proverbs 21. Y'all stay with me. Verse 24. A proud and haughty man, a what? Is his what? He acts 
wealth, arrogant pride. Yeah, I heard what you said, Pastor, but I, I, I know me. I know me. Certain lines you never cross. In reference to disrespect. Even if you don't agree with somebody, you never cross certain lines. Look at the text. A scofer has arrogance. A scofer has what? I respect you as a pastor, but you can't. No, you don't respect me as no pastor because you don't want to hear what I've been put in your life to do. Give you knowledge and understanding according to the word. And understand, some pastors are scoffers. Yeah, they are. Arrogant. Prideful. But when a father is trying to tell you something, you should listen. But if you're a scoffer, you're not. I'm going to tell y'all something. I, I have tried to talk to certain people about things. And, and it's as if we, we don't spend a whole hour for nothing. And some of y'all think I'm a bad pastor based on what I'm going to say. If you really don't understand the word. And, and so after two or three times trying to talk to the person and show them what's right, not in mind. own understanding but according to the word and after three sessions and it's still a debate and argument well it's one argument and debate I'm just giving the word cut it off they call the office the Office calls me, uh, so-and-so, trying to reschedule another appointment with you. I'm not available. <laughs> well, do you know when you're going to be available? I'm not going to be available for them. Do I need to tell them that? If that's what you want to tell them, tell them, but I'm not available. Why? A scofer has, look at it, arrogant pride. Arrogant what? Pride. Let's take it further. Y'all stay with me. Let's go to Proverbs 29. Proverbs 29 and 23. And keep in mind what we just read about the scoffer. 
Proverbs 29 23. A man's pride will bring him low. And, and low does not mean that the person is going to, to lose everything. Low in the sense of causing him to take on an attitude or behavior that is degrading. Get so proud to even when folk really trying to help you, don't want to listen. I done made up my mind. But, but nothing, I don't want to have gotten in a low, a low place. Notice the text. Because of pride. So and so want to see you. Not the way he been acting. You don't want to see him. No, no. I don't want that spirit coming in my office. Let's just pause and say I love the pastor if you do. Notice this right here. Go with me to Proverbs 15. And 12. Y'all better hold on. Because I don't want you to, you to uh, think that I don't like to talk to people. It's my job to counsel and help and do things. But notice Proverbs 15 and 12. A scoffer does not love one who corrects him. Nor will he go to the wise. I ain't going back to the past. Can he talk without telling you what the Bible says? I just wanted to tell him. No, I ain't going to talk except it be word. Even my opinion indirectly is going to be based upon the word. A scoffer does not love the one that corrects him. I got to talk to my fellow pastors for a minute. I'll be back with y'all in a minute, though. <laughs> Don't ever think everybody in your church loves you. Don't ever think everybody that may love you now will always love you. You. Because anytime a person gets in the seat of a scope, that person starts to hate you. Even though you helped him when he couldn't help himself. You pull out of your pocket. You open up your door. But now because you're correcting. 
Instead of loving you, it's the opposite. Hating you. Start looking at you trying to find something wrong. And, and, and this is the thing right here. If they look, they're going to find something wrong. You know why? Absolutely nobody is flawless but God. God is the only flawless person you know and I know. Only one. Look at the verse one more time as I move toward my clothes. Notice again. Proverbs 15. Is that where I am? Y'all know that verse, don't you? <laughs> and 12. A scoffer does not love one who corrects him, nor will he go to the wise. Well, they're going to go to somebody. Well, pastor don't want to, don't seem like pastor want to just look at it my way. See, that's a Bible thing. You never look at it nobody's way. You look at it God's way. Even Joshua as, as, as humble, loyal, and dedicated as he was, he had to learn that. The angel of the Lord showed up when Israel was getting ready to go to battle. And Joshua, the primary leader, asked the angel of the Lord, whose side are you on? And you said, God's. I'm on God's side. Joshua wanted him to choose between him and those that were in contrast to him. But the angel was single-minded. I'm on God's side. Because even folks that say they're godly will change on you. I said even folks that's godly will change on you. If I could get a million dollars for every person that has said to me, Pastor, I'm with you. I got your back. I got a good piece of change. I ain't going to tell y'all no lie. But do you know I would have over a hundred million dollars? Wasn't all, probably three hundred million dollars. And I'm estimating. Every person who said that but turned out to be a scoffer. Or in the seat of a scoffer. I believe it's at least three hundred. You're a multi-millionaire, but I would be, good God, I would be a, a person that was on the way to a half a million dollars. I mean, well, 500 million dollars. What am I talking about? But anyway, you do not want to be a scofer, not in the seat of a scofer. How should I be, Pastor? A wise son. I'm back in Proverbs 13 and 1. A wise son 
his father's instruction. You done been getting knowledge and understanding for too many years to be a scope. You know the word too well to change in midstream and take the seat of a scope. If you understand what I'm talking about, just, just say this to me, I can't be no scope. Listen to this. A wise son heeds his father's instruction. When you heed, I'm give you an old country word. It means that you mind your father. Old folks used to say, you better mind your mama, boy. And would look at you a certain way to let you know that they were not playing. You did what your mama told you to. Boy, you better mind your mama. If you don't mind your mama, your days ain't going to be long. And so he in the text is bigger than just paying serious attention. It's obeying. It's point blank obeying. And if you refuse to obey, scoffer, scoffer. A wise son heeds his father's, get this, instruction. What is instruction based upon the tech? It's when your father tells you what to do. The same way you, you put where you're going in your phone. And everything you hear, you, they say left, right, don't take a left at this light, but the next light take a left. That's what you do. And that's what the text is about. If you are a wise son, you know your father. Who has begotten you is not going to tell you wrong. Because you have watched his life. And you have been impacted by his words. Time and time and time. Let's get a Lord hand of praise.